Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio Episode 126 with heart rate variability expert Jason Moore. If somebody wants to know why would I measure my HRV, it's the most accurate, non-invasive measure of your autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system ties into all of the automatic processes in your body, including blood sugar regulation, energy regulation, digestion, mental clarity and acuity, muscle tone and tension, relaxation, repair, recovery, the stress response. Being able to tap into that kind of central control system, it gives us a lot of insight into what's going on in the body on a total systemic level. It's really difficult to intuitively feel that out. The values pick it up before you do. You can use this as a tool to help hone your natural intuition. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent, and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. Did you know that every single cell in your body is eavesdropping on your thoughts? What I mean by that is the biological and cosmic connections between our physical body and our emotional health in our thoughts, feelings, and actions could not be more connected. And I know you know this because you feel it under times of stress. Your heart literally starts to feel tired. You notice that it beats differently. Even shocking events that happen in life when they come up, you know the ones. They shake the tree so hard all the fruit comes off, like ending a relationship or a catastrophic injury. Those events can actually make our heart feel broken. This heart that we have, it's an indicator of so many things in our life. So knowing that everything stems from the heart, what can we learn about the science between those tiny little segments of time that pass in between the beats of our heart that are actually clues to our health, vitality, and wellness? This field of HRV or heart rate variability we've talked about on the show multiple times, but in this podcast, I am so excited for you to understand the emotions and the physical body and why they depend on this relationship of those micro time beats between the pulses of our heart and how this HRV science can create massive positive health outcomes for special populations that we can now actually harness for our own well-being. We're learning about this science and emotion behind HRV from heart rate variability expert Jason Moore, the founder of Elite HRV. This mother of all biomarkers, HRV, it is the best non-invasive measure of the autonomic nervous system. I know you've heard this on the show so much before, one branch being sympathetic, which is our fight and flight response, the other branch being parasympathetic, our rest and digest branch, including peristalsis and relaxation. Well, this HRV measurement, it's not only the prime indicator of health, it's also a mirror of mindfulness for you and I to consistently improve our physical and emotional intelligence. So too much weight, chronic illness, poor health conditions, all of this shit essentially is driven by stress. And in our modern world, stress is not going away. It's something we get to take an honest inventory of how to deal with, and HRV can help us deal with that better. So I know you're going to love this in-depth podcast with Jason, but do not miss our live Facebook Q&A tomorrow on the Wellness Force Facebook page at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern. You can ask Jason whatever questions you want. Just fire away. Get the essentials on how to easily plug in HRV measurements to your life so you can live that life well. And if you're listening to this after the fact, don't worry, we'll have that live Facebook Q&A pinned at the top of the Wellness Force page for the next couple weeks. All right, let's step in with Jason Moore. 
We're talking with Jason Moore, founder of Elite HRV. I'd like to welcome Jason to Wellness Force Radio. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Josh, I really appreciate it. We've pinged back and forth and we've got this lined up and I'm excited to be here to to chat HRV and all things health and wellness and all the good stuff. Me too. And really what's coming up for me when I look at HRV now, there's so much information online, Jason. How does this relate to us having optimal wellness, the amount of variability that occurs between each beat of the heart? Before we get into HRV, because we're going to almost have a masterclass with you, I'm feeling, can you tell us what's something that you don't normally talk about on your podcast or out there on social? What's something unique that most of us don't know about you? There's a lot of different things I could pick from because I'm kind of a nerdy experimenter of and very <laughs> willing to experiment with just about anything almost. But let's see, a couple of things I've been up to lately. I took a wild foraging class not too long ago here in Asheville, North Carolina, which is where my wife and I moved in January. So we went out to the wilderness and learned a lot about our local ecology and picked a lot of wild foods and sauteed them up into a little appetizer, including different flowers, some mushrooms, some tree sap, and different <laughs> different things like that. So <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah, it's it was fantastic. And uh, to say that I'm in a health tech business and you know totally entrenched in technology and all this stuff, but I do enjoy getting outside and just doing stuff like that. That's not the norm typically. <laughs> what do you love so much about technology? I mean, you used to work actually in the oil industry, which I find fascinating. Tell us about that journey, man, from being in the oil industry to now empowering health and wellness. It's totally different worlds. Yeah, it's different. And there's a lot of similarities from my specific angle. So basically, my education is in information systems design and uh, that's what I went into oil and gas to do. And I got fortunate to get a great job where I was exposed to like a really interesting area of oil and gas, which is data sensing, taking complex data from sensors that are measuring the health of expensive equipment and pulling that data into software and slicing and dicing it and giving it back to key decision makers to like better maintain the health of this equipment. Yeah. And so I kind of designed interfaces. I looked at, you know, strategy for dealing with data. When I say decision makers, it was like people out in the field actually doing the work all the way up to top executives, like some of the highest paid folks in the industry were both trying to look at this data to make decisions. So I kind of got to go back and forth in between dealing with a lot of different audiences and people at different levels of business. But the reason why that's interesting for my evolution is during all that time, I had discovered kind of an ancestral health template of living, including exercise, diet, you know, nutrition in general, sleep and all these different things. And I discovered heart rate variability during that time and got really fascinated by it, which we can dive in, of course, on. But tying that together, though, is HRV is really data-driven and uh, there's a whole kind of quantified self and and self-tracking uh, movement out there that I saw a lot of corollaries between what I was doing in oil and gas for these complex data analysis systems and the health industry. And I was a coach, I was a personal trainer, I was a CrossFit coach for a little while and I was like, I think I can build something specifically around heart rate variability mm. that uses my knowledge and expertise from my information systems background that could really help a lot of folks in the health and fitness side. And long story short, I uh, put out our, 
our first iteration of our platform with my partner back in, I guess, three years ago now. And uh, it's just blown up since then. And since then, I got married, quit the oil and gas industry, traveled the world for a while and worked on Elite HRV. How did that feel to quit the gas industry? My question is, we see this paradigm right now where that industry is pushing a different agenda than sustainable ecological function in the world. Does that relate to you at all? Do you have a a paradigm that you'd love to see shift there? Being exposed to the behind the scenes of that is, and I'll, I'll keep this pretty succinct, but there's definitely a scale of different companies that and how they operate under that kind of mentality, right? Yeah. Some of them don't want anything to do with solar or any alternative fuel source. Yeah. I was lucky and fortunate to be in a company that really took environmental awareness seriously. They, they definitely are pouring money into researching alternative uh, energy sources, sustainable energy sources. And they were also very stringent about taking care of the environment to the best possible in the areas where they were doing fossil fuel extraction, but they were conscious. It sounds like they were a good company to work for. It was. And, you know, it honestly, uh, I can't vouch for how they are now because they were kind of evolving when I left. So it's interesting to see kind of some friends that still work there and like the culture's slightly changed. I'm curious too, because this is such a unique path coming from that industry to now health and wellness. Why do you personally care so much about HRV? I mean, why is this a fire that burns in you? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I see, and this was true for the reason why we were tracking data on expensive equipment out in the field for the oil and gas stuff. I mean, the equipment I'm talking about is like many, many millions of dollars, you know, that's like a common price for some of these pieces of equipment and there's tons of it. But similarly in the health space is there's nothing more priceless than your own body and mind. By that kind of definition, it's uh, the most important thing to an individual, obviously, aside from like your family and there's some other some things there. But since it's so important to us, yeah. our health, we want to learn more about it. Like, how am I doing, right? Am I healthy? Am I fit? Am I going in a positive direction and a negative direction? And in order to learn that, you know, you can spend years and years just kind of troubleshooting and trying to feel it out. Or you can start measuring some key things about yourself and seeing if you're moving in the right direction right now. Yes. And uh, that's kind of what drew me towards heart rate variability is it's a systemic measure. It uh, captures kind of the total picture of your health and, and whether things are moving in the right direction or not. And it's pretty simple to measure if you do it correctly. This is so cool. You know, and I'm thinking about with your academic background and knowing what it was like to look at these large data sets now, being in health and wellness, serving tens of thousands of people through your HRV course, which we'll talk about later in the show. But HRV, let's explain this to people because we've talked about it a few times. There is a couple episodes on Wellness Force, but not a masterclass, which is what I'm really excited to get in with you now. When I look at HRV, it's something where, I mean, I'm looking at my research. In 1707, ancient Greek physicians and scientists started to understand what they called a physician's pulse watch. And that was as early as people started to pay attention to these time segments between the beats of our heart. Can you explain what is your definition of HRV? There's a lot out there as far as people's vantage point, but what's yours, Jason? How do you define HRV? The one that you would say to somebody in an elevator. 
it's the most accurate non-invasive measure of your autonomic nervous system. So that's the one-liner if somebody knows what the autonomic nervous system is already. I was going to say, what if they don't know? <laughs> if you're in the elevator and you're like, the autonomic nervous system, they're going to look at you like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so then the second sentence to the elevator pitch is the autonomic nervous system ties into all of the automatic processes in your body, including blood sugar regulation, energy regulation, digestion, uh, mental clarity and, and acuity, muscle tone and tension and relaxation, repair, recovery, the stress response. All of these things are mediated at least in part by the autonomic nervous system. Mm. And so being able to tap into that kind of central you know, control system easily, it gives us a lot of insight into what's going on in the body on a total systemic level. I was reading one of your blog posts and I love this sentence, HRV. It's like your individual fingerprint for stress tolerance, adaptability, and resiliency. I mean, that to me just really hits home. I'm curious how you came up with that explanation. Yeah. So we're adaptive creatures and in a lot of sense, that's one of the things that makes us human and, and a biological creature is our ability to adapt to various scenarios. So, you know, if you're constantly exercising, then that's an easy example. You will adapt to that exercise and get better at it over time. And in a lot of cases, that's positive, but there's definitely situations where your body will adapt towards handling that at the expense of other pieces of the pie, right? So, you know, people who participate in what's termed sometimes as like chronic endurance exercise where they just run, 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 pound in the pavement eternally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're definitely going to get better at doing that. They may eventually reach a threshold where they're very injury prone and or they may sacrifice good digestion or sacrifice uh, mental acuity. This is what Mark Sisson talked about, Jason, too, like people that just do this continuous, just draining. Maybe sometimes people's bodies are designed for long term running. But do you feel like HRV and just that self-awareness piece when we look at endurance athletics, can somebody learn that maybe they're not an endurance athlete by tracking with HRV? Yeah. And so coming back to that adaptive thing is I'm of the opinion that with the right kind of plan that's individualized and carefully experimented with, that most people can get pretty good at most things. But to your question, there's definitely going to be signs that you're going to be fighting a really uphill battle in certain situations. So some people are just naturally more Uh, inclined towards building aerobic fitness or endurance and others are more naturally inclined towards you know power output and uh, short sprinting and and that type of expression i mean people probably kind of get an idea generally if they're one or the other but having a little bit of data and seeing like oh okay every time i do some kind of endurance exercise I immediately like cause like tons of inflammation and stress in my body and it shows up in my HRV values. Yeah. Then that's either a sign of one of two things. Either you're just drastically out of shape or you're you might be one of these people that high levels of aerobic or endurance activity 
cause like a significant amount of stress more than it does for other people. Let's talk about the measurement. This is non-invasive. It's it's not like a glucose monitor. This is something where there's a chest strap and we'll talk about later. You're actually coming out with a really unique first of a kind clip sensor for the finger, but this does not have to go under the skin. Okay. Like this is something where you just get to track it easily once a day. How many times do you track it a day? How many times um, have you seen people actually be successful in this tracking? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we have like over 120,000 users at this time, and we've been fortunate to be able to get tons of feedback from those folks and start to see some really interesting patterns. And what we found is that you can get probably 90% or more of the benefit of tracking HRV or arguably anything in just under five minutes a day. And so even that you can refine further and say you can do it like five days a week, not even seven days a week, and you'll still get up to that 90% uh, value threshold. So yeah, basically, first thing in the morning after you get up is the number one most recommended time for us for measuring heart rate variability. It isolates a bunch of variables. So you still can pick up kind of sleep quality from that. You can pick up recent changes in exercise patterns. You can pick up cumulative stress load over time. There's so many different things you can learn from that, and you really only have to get a two-minute measure. So it's super convenient in ours and our users' opinion. Yeah, like I said, you get kind of 90% of the benefit. The reason why, though, that we even tell folks to measure, let me know if you want me to explain something deeper or anything like that, but the reason why we tell folks to measure several times in a week, for example, is because heart rate variability is a very sensitive metric. So if you only measure once every six months, for example, then the night before that measurement could have potentially been a good night's sleep or a bad night's sleep or, you know, potentially for dinner last night, you ate some kind of food that didn't agree with you very well. And it will pick that stuff up, which is good. But if that's the only time that you've measured in all of six months, then you might get a really skewed view of what your norm is. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we kind of really emphasize getting uh, or establishing a baseline for yourself, which means just measuring like five days within a, a week is sufficient to establish a minimum baseline. We actually recommend that if you can get like two weeks of data in a row, that would be super useful. You can start to see a trend from there, right? Yes. Yeah. You're starting to see a trend. You're starting to gain more confidence that this is actually what represents me for real. And then from there, you can start making some really confident decisions. I remember I did this with a client uh, last year. I had a heart rate variability. We used a fingertip sensor and I just taught her that through box breathing, she can improve her score because this was somebody who was really stressed out, Jason. I mean, somebody who had a ton of responsibility, two kids, full-time job. She was working on her diet, but through using HRV and just trying to get that score to rise, that was what allowed her to really trust herself to drop more into her body and get so much out of her head. Have you had people talk to you about this HRV for increasing our emotional intelligence to allow us to drop into our parasympathetic branch in the nervous system? Yes. And so that's actually, I think, talking about elevator pitches is, um, I think that's one of the biggest powers of self-tracking in general, but specifically HRV, and that's self-awareness. And so 
we're inundated with so much information, whether from advertisements or technology or jobs or just um, there's kind of an information overload that we kind of lose touch with what's going on inside our bodies. And it's really difficult to intuitively feel that out. Um, If you have some acute reaction, of course, then you're going to notice that. But specifically chronic inflammation or just different things that builds up over time, it's really hard to detect that on your own. And HRV really has helped a lot of people, you know, reportedly. Um, There's a lot of research on it, but there's also a lot of folks just telling us they're so much more aware of the the things that impact their body and mind the most. And the interesting thing is that being a systemic marker, everybody comes at it from a different angle. So we definitely have like high performance athletes. We have Olympians, you know, pro sports, national teams, those types of folks. But an interesting evolution that we've seen is that because of this power for self-awareness is that we saw a huge explosion out of the athlete scene into general health and wellness and, you know, people tracking all sorts of things from improvement of chronic disease to psychological dealing with depression and anxiety to just trying to improve kind of general levels of health and fitness, lose weight, um, that type of thing. So without even really having to encourage growth into these other markets, it's been naturally spreading through word of mouth into those because of this self-awareness piece that it brings. What's one of the biggest stories that you've heard or what's maybe like a user reported story where they really just dropped back into their body and they got that better touch on emotional intelligence? Has anybody reported something like that to you from using HRV? Yeah. So a really kind of heart-wrenching. So whenever I traveled internationally, went to 13 countries in 13 months and got a chance to meet up with some of the high performance folks on the road. And one of my last stops was in New Zealand and I was meeting with some, an Olympic sports scientist there who's big into HRV. And then on my way back into the US, I stopped in San Francisco. There is a children's hospital there who is looking at the psychological impact and the emotional impact of confrontation between parents and their children in troubled homes. And this is hopefully answering your question, um, but yeah. it, either way, it was a total 180 from you know Olympic sports science. And I, I went into the children's hospital and I got the chance to meet with some of the parents who this forward-thinking clinic was measuring heart rate variability on the children. And these children had been taken away from their families and were trying to be reintroduced and trying to explain to the parents the physiological impact of this emotional and psychological stress that occurs for these children in, in these confrontational situations. And to get to the yeah. the ma- main point of the story is that um, they were having some really amazing results showing these parents this physiological impact and kind of opening their eyes to the reality of what these situations were doing on an emotional level and psychological level to these children. And then, you know, introducing tactics to say, okay, when you're in this situation, if you perform these specific breathing exercises or or try to pull back and gain some mindfulness of the situation, that you can see immediately in the numbers a, a jump and you know an objective measure that, okay, now I'm in a better mental state to 
deal with this stressful situation with my family, which is one of the most kind of gut-wrenching situations. We all can connect to it, though. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, I, I did not even expect that coming back into the U.S. It was kind of like, oh, wow. I happen to be in town. Let me come in and see what's going on. And, you know, the parents, I had a little small group session with some of these parents and they have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of underlying stress, like financial stress and and those types of things in the families. But by the end of our little session, the parents were kind of like crowded around the whiteboard with me. I'm drawing pictures of the autonomic nervous system and and there was tears and um, it was, Mm. but that's kind of like one of those gut-wrenching situations that says everyone can relate to family and stress. This is so powerful, Jason, because finally, I mean, I'm so loving exactly where we've gone in our conversation. I did not know we were going to go here, but this is where in our current society, where everything's so digital and app focused, we're finally using tech to bring people back home. It's like tech becomes the proof of how we need to change our behavior. And when we look at these parents with these kids, I mean, I can't think of a more beautiful way to show them with HRV proof, we need to change our behaviors. We need to change how we treat other people. Is that what you felt in that room? It is. It boils down to exactly that. I mean, you can see the light bulbs kind of coming on because nobody wants to believe, you know, that the decisions that we're making seem small. And of course, they cascade from a number of different stressors. Um, whether it's nutritional decisions or family decisions or yeah. or whatever it is. But when you start seeing the hard data and that you can actually gain control over your situation by doing certain things, it's very empowering. Mm. I want to play devil's advocate for a second too, because that really hit me in the chest. I've never heard a story like that. So I'm so appreciative you shared that. But for somebody that's coming up with a thought of, well, Jason, what about my natural intuition? Why do I need HRV to be a guide for me versus, you know, just feeling it on my own inside my body? Why should I use tech to empower my wellness? Yeah, that's a great question. So in anything, there are good examples of where natural intuition can definitely help. And we definitely don't propose that you stop using natural intuition. In fact, what I say is that no matter where you are on the spectrum of intuition, so to speak, you can use this as a tool to help hone your natural intuition. I'll give you a couple examples. So basically, just yesterday or the day before, I can't remember who I was talking to. They were talking about how they had started measuring HRV. They're usually pretty in tune with their body. And they're a high-level uh, athlete in the sense that they train quite regularly. And they woke up one morning and they felt okay, but the app was telling them, hey, caution, you've got some underlying stress or some accumulated stress. You might want to look out. They're like, ah, I kind of intuitively, I feel fine. I'm going to go ahead and, and continue with training. And when they went into training, um, like halfway through the session, They got super lightheaded and didn't feel like they could sustain the normal level of training that they normally went. So they they called it. Luckily, they're uh, like they said, they're they're paying attention. So they they called it off. Next day, they wake up with a cold and they were sick and stuffy and all uh, stopped up and definitely couldn't continue with normal training. Mm. Basically, what we run into is time and time again is that the signs that your body is trying to give you, again, either kind of washed over by all the noise of things that we are want our attention in life. Also, the values pick it up before you do, basically. So we've had tons of reports of changes in HRV indicating a potential issue like days in advance of someone getting sick. Mm. And so before 
any symptoms arise, basically HRV values picking up. And so I want to preface this or caveat this with that currently our app is not meant for like medical diagnoses or medical predictions or anything. But I know you have to say that even though these case studies are so incredible. But yes. yeah, and you know, someday <laughs> we might be there. But for now, like really putting in the power of information into people's hands for them to make their own decisions. And yeah, basically we have stories like that all the time now. Yeah, Jason, this is like a blunting of our intuitive awareness that this excessive responsibility and stress loads are coming at us. Never before have we had, you know, you mentioned the primal lifestyle. Back in the day, we would have like 30 seconds of stress when we would sprint. Now we have this continuous drip of stress all day long. And I feel like this blunting that you're talking about, technology can help us sharpen our intuitive awareness because I really believe it's a mindset thing. When we look at HRV, some people could say, well, I'll just tune into how I'm feeling. But you've brought up a case here where tuning into how you're feeling doesn't always equal optimal health or performance, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it's something that you can refine over time. And so it also depends too on kind of your current situation. So uh, one thing I like to say with folks who are interested in like learning more about like self-intuition and, and that types of stuff is that you may have a really good handle on how one specific aspect of your life really works, right? Like some people swear that they know exactly how to sleep to get the best sleep for them, right? Yeah. And that's that's great. But what you may find out is when you start measuring something that's a, like a global systemic level, like heart rate variability, is that, okay, even though you've dialed in your sleep, you're still actually kind of below average on your general levels that you should be at for heart rate variability. And so that might give you an indication that, okay, maybe there's something else that you want to look into that isn't causing any like acute big issues for you right now, but down the road, accumulation of it may cause some type of thing that you don't want, like a chronic disease or, or, you know, some all of a sudden weight gain or something like that. That's kind of inexplicable. And this is so fascinating too, because there's so many things that can alter our healthy limits really are parameters of HRV. And I'm excited to talk about micronutrients and supplements that influence heart rate variability. This is an article that we will post in the show notes today. This is from EliteHRV.com. I had no idea about this, how micronutrients and supplements can actually change our HRV score. I mean, how does that work? Yeah. So essentially, you know, you can break this down into a couple different topics. So one is on the macronutrient level, and I'll, I'll focus more on the micronutrients, but Uh, macronutrients, a lot of folks are familiar with protein, carbs, fat. You need, from an HRV perspective and a self-awareness perspective, I try to break this down super simply in the sense that you need a minimum of each of those macronutrients to maintain health and to repair the body and to produce energy and and to do all these things. And also there's a maximum threshold for each of these macronutrients. And so you fall somewhere in between. And if you go under the minimum, then over time, you won't have the resources to properly repair your tissues or to keep your energy levels maintained or whatever it is. Hmm. Um, Or you might start subconsciously like reducing your activity level to match that. And then if you overconsume these macronutrients, then you can start uh, reaching kind of toxic levels. It's almost similar to that endurance athlete that just runs, 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 runs. Like <laughs> yeah. people find out protein is necessary for life. So they just slam protein all day. There's definitely diminishing returns that cause 
inflammation to increase and all that stuff. And, and those long-term changes are picked up by changes in heart rate variability. I want to ask a quick question here too, just while we're on that, you're on the micronutrients that this parasympathetic branch you talked about in your post here becomes depleted and weak. And some of the things that can happen is anxiety, slow recovery from exercise, decreased libido, which is a big one. How does that show up in HRV for just the micronutrient part? Yes. So that's a great question. So yeah, micronutrients are kind of sneaky because you can kind of maintain storage levels of them in a lot of cases that will pad your ability to like eat a non-nutrient dense diet for a little while and get away with it. Yeah. Um, when you start seeing low or micronutrient deficiencies, basically, is your body starts making sacrifices in other areas to keep the most important systems running. And so uh, the most important systems are usually the ones that deal with acute stresses. And so since we're kind of inundated with stress, typically, you have things like cortisol elevation and things like that that are kind of constantly in play. I mean, that's just one example and then you're starting to shift resources away from some of the non-essential acute survival systems like your sexual uh, systems, your digestive system, your immune system. Is this because the body doesn't care if you're going to die that you want to have sex? You know, we could talk about acute versus chronic stress and fight or flight kind of response to here, here is that if you die today, then it doesn't really matter if you can have sex tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah. Or if you die today, it doesn't really matter what food you eat tomorrow. Um, so digestion and libido and things like that start to uh, fall into this branch of like sacrificial systems for surviving what the body is perceiving as an acute immediate stress. But this acute immediate stress that I'm talking about, if you're listening to a podcast specifically, I mean, if you're living out in the wild and fending for yourself, this is different. But if you're listening to this podcast, then most likely your largest source of stress is going to be from the like mental, emotional, psychological side. And then that kind of ends up manifesting in different health conditions, which then increases your physical stress as well. Yeah. But you know, we have financial stress, we have career stress, we have family stress, we have, there's tons of social uh, isolation. So huge component of human evolution is uh, socialization. Yeah. So when you kind of deprive yourself of real deep, intimate relationships, then uh, that's a huge stressor that's maintained. So all of these stressors, they don't go away. They don't happen once for 15 minutes and then like you never see them again. So you're activating these stress systems in the body and keeping them activated way longer than they're designed to be activated. And that's why you start seeing breakdown of some of these other supporting systems. And coming back to what you said about micronutrients is that the body is quite resilient if you give it all of the tools that it needs to deal with this type of stress. When you don't, like for example, if you don't consume enough micronutrients or if you aren't absorbing them because of some kind of digestive inflammation, then eventually your body kind of runs out of resources to support all of these complex processes that it has to deal with different things. And it starts making sacrifices. So that's kind of that um, parasympathetic or even sometimes sympathetic depletion that you can start to see. And there's a um, Dr. Eldred Taylor, who's president of the American Functional Medicine Association. Um, he talks about this on my podcast a little bit, and he says it pretty well is 
he measures heart rate variability with all of his clients and he can start to see now based on his experience just intuitively looking at the charts and immediately telling okay this person is parasympathetically depleted like out of the gate mm. boom and so he has an example of even a young guy that was i think 20 or 21 years old had uh, erectile dysfunction. This is happening more and more, this erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I just had to break in there because people need to know about this. We'll link in the show notes, Gary Wilson, your brain on porn. Porn is literally poisoning people. Now, not everybody's susceptible. Some people are alcoholics. Some people are porn addicts. Some people are drug addicts, whatever it is. We all have a predisposition for how we cope with life, Jason. And I feel like this one piece you've mentioned with erectile dysfunction, uh, that is a big one. I'm curious if you ever explored that with your physician on your podcast. Uh, we did talk about it. And so we didn't talk about some of the other psychological aspects that contribute to erectile dysfunction, such as like porn and uh, sensationalization of basically everything that we do. But imagine now you've got this kind of like, it's almost like, um, you know, being high uh, all the time when you're watching porn. And I know that yeah. <laughs> just for those people listening is this is kind of the addiction that people fall into is they get right. there for one, they're usually soci socially isolated. Um, and I won't go into the whole topic, but basically there's a lot of sensationalization that's offered by porn and other uh, media channels. So you're kind of inundated with this on one end. And then on the other end, coming back around to the total systemic health uh, scene, is that you're also usually not eating well, not sleeping well. You've got stress because you actually really don't deep down really want to be addicted to porn. And you'd rather have like real meaningful relationships with people in real life. But maybe you're not even aware of that. You just have all this stress. So you're depleting your body's resources and not refilling them with good micronutrients, good array of macros too, but then also usually a lot of systemic inflammation coming from processed foods and all this stuff. Yeah. And then you're seeing a breakdown in some of not only your willpower and energy and all that stuff, but also just in general in your libido. So coming back around, the only way then to stimulate yourself for the individuals that are experiencing this erectile dysfunction is to uh, seek more and more stimulating uh, sources of media and or take Viagra. Yes, which is so overprescribed. And I love how we started our section here around micronutrients and how HRV can reflect that and how we got into porn and habits and addictions. Because listen, this emotional intelligence, I mean, we get to grow smarter as a society. And I think, Jason, when I look at HRV, whether it's using it to track how is our micronutrient deficiencies coming up or our macros or our habits, I think what I'm seeing across the board, I've been looking at HRV for the past couple of years, the scores for males, it typically goes down, right? As they age, I'm seeing this on the normal heart rate variability, age and gender on your website. Is that something that we can change or is that just a biochemical normal function where HRV decreases as we rise in age? So that's a great question. And that is actually, you know, let me start with an interesting story. There's this thing called the Palo Alto Prize. And this is a group in Silicon Valley that is trying to tackle anti-aging. And they're offering a prize to teams who can, you know, make the biggest change in reversing aging. And the number one metric that they're using to measure the success of that project is heart rate variability. And so they're offering like a million dollar prize to te various teams for, for this. And so 
heart rate variability has been shown time and time again to correlate with biological age. And I say biological age because that's usually correlated with, but not always with your chronological age. So Mm. um, everybody probably knows somebody who seems way older than they are. Maybe you're like, you know, they have a lot more health issues or uh, wrinkles or whatever it is um, than somebody who is in their 30s, 40s normally does. Or the other way around, Some everybody knows somebody who's like 80 and still goes running or, you know, seems like to be way younger than their actual chronological age. And so that's just a little bit of an illustration of how you can separate the two. And what we've found is that while there is, of course, always a genetic component to everything, that the biggest aspect of it, though, is under your control. Yeah. And so you can really kind of reverse your biological age in many uh, situations, and you can use heart rate variability as a guide in your quest to do that. Wow, Jason, this is so fascinating, man. And I want to leave us a little bit of time too, because your course coming up here, this is a incredible course on the foundations of heart rate variability and also this finger clip sensor. I would love to be able to try this and I'll definitely post my experience in the show notes at wellnessforce.com. But Jason, this is the last section of the show. This is where we get to know you a lot deeper, which you've already shared pretty much your whole life almost. (laughs) (laughs) But this is seven fast questions. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know, but we'll see. How has your personal wellness practices changed since you started using HRV? I used to think that there was a one-size-fits-all template out there and I just needed to find it. And HRV and my evolution with that has really helped me learn that there is no one-size-fits-all program for every situation and that everything is nuanced. And the main thing I really need to do is gain better self-awareness. So I practice that daily myself trying to be aware, trying to experiment with different things and seeing how I can make the biggest impact in my life. And then I share that with people as well. So what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received about how to deal with stress? I used to think too, that dealing with stress, the best way is to pretend like it wasn't there, to ignore it and to to be like super outwardly Zen. Um, but then I've realized over time that that's actually Uh, It's probably better than overreacting to stress, but Hmm. the best thing to do is to acknowledge that the stress is there, let yourself feel it, let yourself react to it, try not to overreact, but because that's a helpful process for the body to undergo. But then from there, try to learn all that you can from that situation. And then in the future, try to take steps to either prevent yourself from getting into that situation or set up strategies to deal with it in a more healthful way if, if you perceived it as a negative experience. Things change when we get married. I don't know, I'm not married yet. But when you got into your marriage, what changed about the way that you learned about yourself and then learned about how your behaviors and health and interpersonal affect your spouse? That's a great question. So uh, since getting married, I have become a way better cook and a way... <laughs> <laughs> a way a much nicer person to be around and so i uh in general when i was flying solo i would do experimentation extreme so i would like think oh okay um you know grass-fed beef is good for me so i'm gonna try to eat like three pounds of it a day and i'm just gonna season it with with like salt and because that's easy and uh she's not having that <laughs> no, no she's <laughs> she's not having that and and she has brought me back to a realm of healthful balance. Um, And also she's continued to teach me 
the importance of family. And that's been one of my biggest evolutions. I come from a big, close-knit family, and I was missing all the signs early on about the importance of that and how lucky I was for being a part of that. And now it's come full circle that I have a, a wife that I love to be around and we're building a family pretty soon here. So that's become a huge deal for me. What is one of your greatest growth edges right now? In other words, what's a skill or uh, a way of being, either physical or emotional, that you're growing right now within yourself? We've been growing a lot, you know, just philosophically, universal philosophically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I've had a lot of opinions about how the world works over the years, and everybody thinks that they know how the world works um, until they learn more and find out that they don't know how the world works. But then I've been kind of refining some of my uh, philosophical beliefs into kind of harder, firmer beliefs. I'm always, always a curious person and always interested in learning about alternate paths. But you know, I'll leave it at that to stay less controversial. But <laughs> who uh, I could tell, we could probably do like a little mini show on just that answer. Right. Um, who, who inspires you right now to be your very best? If you wake up and you just don't feel like it. Um, interestingly, I, I always come back to, so I'm a pretty mellow person, but I often I'm inspired by people who are kind of confrontational and uh, abrasive people. So several years back, I trained with a, a guy online called Ido Portal. He's a phenomenal mover and he has a great movement behind him, gaining a ton of attention. Um, but he has a fairly abrasive personality. Um, but some of the things that that helps me with is that I sometimes will I'll picture him saying, you know, even though I've never met him in person, just talk to him online, but picture his opinion of excuses that I might make when there's things that I know I need to do and I don't want to do them. And uh, that has helped me. Everyone has moments where you know you have things that you need to do and you come up with a million excuses in your head. Again, this is <laughs> intuition yeah. um, at its finest. But um, you know, sometimes you got to power through that and hopefully have time for recovery later. But when I need those moments, he's the guy I think of. And yeah. What's a healthy snack you eat if you're feeling stressed? Ooh, a stressful snack. I really like berries. Um, I typically do fairly low carb. So I, I try not to have, uh, if I have like a bag of sweet potato chips around, then that's it. Like uh, I'll kill the whole bag. Uh, Man, I can't have the bag around. I am an abstainer from a personality type from Gretchen Rubin. I can't do the moderation when it comes to like having chocolate and chips at my house. Are you the same or are you different? Me too. hundred percent. I just know that about myself. Isn't it relieving to just know ourselves and be like, you know what? I just can't have it around. Exactly. And, <laughs> and you know, it takes a lot of stress off yeah. having to make that decision. If it's not there, I can't have it. So I'll, I'll eat the berries, which are just delicious when you start digging into them. And a weird one, though, if we want to get on to the weird stuff, my wife w- won't do this, but I'm fine with having like a bowl of ground beef sometimes. Mm. Um, and I feel great on that. And that's just a personal experimentation thing. What is wellness to you now? You know, we've talked so much about HRV, how this relates to our optimal wellness, living our life just incredibly well by tracking, by seeing these little mirrors of mindfulness. What is wellness to you now with your past that's led you to this moment? How would you define wellness? Wellness is, that's a, I mean, depending when you ask me, I might have a different definition, but in general, I think it's the ability to do anything that you want to do without having even the stress in the back of your mind of, you know, your ability to overcome it or, you know, you're having the right resources available to do it. And of course, that doesn't mean like, oh, well, 
I want to like, you know, do something that costs $10 million and I don't have $10 million. So woe is me, but not that type of, of thing, but just general life day to day things is that I have the ability to do anything that I want to do if I maintain my wellness or elevate my sense of wellness. I love that, man. It reminds me of an answer from Tony Robbins. And he said, you know, the, the perfect life is when I can say no to anything I want to. That's really the perfect life for him. So I really appreciate your perspective and everyone can learn more about this app and the upcoming sensor that can give people this insight on their physical and emotional intelligence, tracking it on a day-to-day basis. Can you tell us about the app and then also tell us about the fingertip device that's coming out? Yeah, for sure. So the app um, is free. It's called Elite HRV and it helps you track your heart rate variability. It has a lot of my... uh, my theories and personal experience built into it from the standpoint of we try to make it easy. Um, we reason why we make it free is because we want to reach the most number of people and we're going to, that's pretty cool. You make it free. Yeah. It's, that's been the best decision that we made from the beginning and we've reached so many more people that way. And we have other services for like businesses and organizations that we charge subscriptions for. Um, so if you have like a health coach or practitioner, we're happy if you share this with them, but they can use this as well through a, a dashboard and integrate it and all that. But uh, yeah, so our goal is to keep expanding that uh, platform. We're going to be allowing more metrics in the near future. So if you're interested in tracking other stuff, it'll be there. But HRVs foreseeably always our cornerstone. And then the uh, knowing that uh, one of the biggest things that we've seen in the market is desire for more convenience and for other use cases for heart rate variability, which we didn't even really talk a ton about, but, um, you know, group readings or live biofeedback meditation sessions and what those actually look like in the moment. And so we are designing a piece of hardware that will really fill a lot of the demand um, that folks have. And it's a piece of hardware that's designed from the ground up with medical grade sensors to detect heart rate variability. And it'll be kind of the first of its kind. It's it's an interesting, we, we controversially <laughs> want to make one of the themes of the launch the anti-wearable mm. in the sense that I'm a big proponent of trying to get the minimum amount of data that you need to make really effective decisions. Yeah, And I think inundating people with more data than they need is a source of stress in and of itself. So we are looking at really maximizing the ability to make effective decisions off of a a very convenient device that, you know, you have to minimally integrate into your life. Well, I'm really honored that you'd share with us so much about your path today and how this can really help us grow the intelligence of the body, the heart, the mind. Jason Moore, thanks so much for coming on the show and thank you for offering this gift. I know you're going to be giving us a discount on both the app and the course. I will link that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing with us on the Wellness Force Radio podcast, man. Happy to, Josh. I really appreciate you reaching out and I didn't expect the conversation to go this way either and I'm very pleasantly surprised and happy that it did. I kind of like taking people where it's most fun, where it, where it resonates the most, right? That, those are the best conversations. And I think people felt that today too, man. So we appreciate you and we'll follow everything you're doing, by the way, at EliteHRV.com. Jason Moore, have a great rest of the day, man. Thanks, you too. 
Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.